it's time to get real about today's hiring landscape. The ability to find, attract, and hire great people has become more vital to a company's success than ever before. That's why we need talent makers who prioritize innovative, more diverse, equitable, and inclusive hiring practices that put people first. On the Greenhouse Talent Makers podcast, we're celebrating the work of leaders dedicated to cultivating incredible talent. Join me, Mika Gabreas, Senior Manager of Editorial Content at Greenhouse, as I sit down with talent makers who are changing the game in hiring. Today, I'm speaking with impactful leaders, Tony Hobley, Chief DE&I Officer at Omnicom Precision Marketing Group, and Lori Bring, Vice President of Talent Acquisition at Rep, an Omnicom company. We'll chat about how inclusion should be a uniter rather than a polarizer. We're also going to dig into the benefits of upskilling and reskilling employees and why the idea of culture fit is outdated. Please welcome Tony Hobley and Lori Bring. I'm so excited because our goal was to really have innovative people here today and have people who are on this podcast who are changing the game in hiring. And obviously, you both fit that description perfectly. And so before we dive in, why don't both of you just give us a quick introduction of yourselves with your name, your pronouns, your current role, and also maybe why you're passionate about DE&I hiring practices. Hi, I'm Tony Hobley. I'm the Chief DE&I Officer of Omnicom Precision Marketing Group. My pronouns are he and him, and I am passionate about DNI for so many reasons. It is the intersection of a bunch of things about myself and what I want to do in the world and what I'm good at. And it's a job actually that brings together a bunch of things that really motivate me to help make change. That's amazing. Yeah, Lori, why don't you give us an intro? Hi, everyone. My name is Lori Bring. My pronouns are she and her. I am the Vice President of Talent Acquisition here at RAP and with the RAP family of brands. I've had the pleasure of partnering with Tony on important DEI strategies and our mission, as it is all part of our vision. I am deeply personally passionate for DEI, and for those who cannot see me, I am a white Jewish woman over the age of 50, and as such, I understand what it is like to be of other. And so personally, as well as professionally, I always say that we are marketers here within Omnicom and we cannot market to the world if we do not represent the world. Snaps to that. I absolutely love that, Lori. And I also just want to add too. So I actually met Tony. I met you at the Cannes Lion International Festival of Creativity and of course, Cannes, France. And Greenhouse was actually one of the sponsors of Inkwell Beach. And Inkwell Beach was hosted by the Cannes Cannes Diversity Collective or the CCDC. And it was basically the premier place for DE&I conversations at the festival. And I just want to say like, Tony, you were a part of that conversation called You Can't Make this, well, in case the kids are listening, I'll say stuff. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> and you were dropping so many gems. And so, you know, and that's really what being a great talent maker is all about. You mentioned if leaders want to find that diverse talent, they can't just sit on the sidelines. They have to have a strong hand in candidate sourcing. And I quote, you said, if the talent you need is not in your industry right now, you need to go find them, train them and grow them. And I was snapping, clapping, nodding, all of that good stuff, because, you know, that's what these conversations are about. It's really about 
leaders stepping up to the plate if they want to secure the best talent. And especially in today's turbulent talent climate, there's the great resignation and the quiet quitting and the quiet firing and all these buzzwords <laughs> to worry about. And leaders just really have to do their part in order to achieve success. And so that's why I'm especially excited to have you, Lori, as well, part of the conversation because you have incredible insights on inclusive hiring practices kind of from that talent leader's perspective. And so as we know, great inclusive hiring does not happen without that strong relationship between the two of your roles for you, Lori, and for you, Tony. And so with that said, I would love to ask both of you, how do you align and work together to hire great diverse talent? Like, are there any specific stories that come to mind between the two of your relationship and how you work together to hire diverse talent? Yes. So I work at the corporate level across a number of agencies. I think depending on how you look at the portfolio, we have somewhere between 10 or 11 and 13 agencies, all that do complementary things and are all looking for different types of skills and different types of people. Uh, and obviously my job is to make sure that we we're embedding inclusion in that and a number of other things as we approach it. Lori is the talent finder, if you will, at one of our largest agencies, RAP. And there's a great example I'll, I'll allow you to add on to this. Whereas I was actually hiring someone for my DNI group, a manager. And obviously there's a job description that you craft to do that. But I think Lori is very good at proactively saying, beyond the written word, I want to understand dimensionally for sort of in a three-dimensional way, sort of who, who you are actually looking for and who will resonate with you. And I think the communication part of that is actually what makes it powerful. It makes it efficient, and it also makes the outcome more certain. Agreed, Tony. And just to add to that, Tony's a busy human being, and Tony could have been a hiring manager who said you have the job description. It's fairly basic. And for those who can't see me, I'm putting quotation marks around the word basic. And he took the time still to talk to me, to hear me, to go beyond the job description in what an individual should be and would be to succeed in this role. And it's that trust between us that really enabled us to very quickly hire this DEI individual who still remains with us to this day and is growing beautifully, I may say, under Tony's leadership. So it really, it takes a family. You'll hear that theme a little bit in that it's not, quote unquote, just the recruiter's job. It is very much the hiring manager's responsibility to partner and share insights so that we really understand what goes on because a resume and a job description are just pieces of paper. That is so true. And that's something that we talk about quite a bit at Greenhouse as well. But there's literally nothing more important in the hiring process than that strong relationship between the hiring manager and the recruiter. So basically, TLDR of all of this, if your hiring manager and recruiter relationships are a bit of a hot mess, your hiring might also be a hot mess. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And so as we know, Tony, this is mainly for you. There's many of us listening out there who are aware of this, but kind of that DE&I work and working with the hiring manager and recruiter relationship, all of this work can seem really daunting and really challenging. And especially with DE&I work, it really starts by setting very clear goals. And, you know, even the companies with the absolute best intentions can make mistakes. So my question to you would be, what would you say is the biggest challenge that companies face today when they're setting DE&I hiring goals? Let me, let me back up for a second. 
the way that I think we evolve and move forward in the DNI space is quite different than it would have been when I first took this job in 2020. And I think what we've evolved towards within this climate of sort of uncertainty and I'll call it polarization, inclusion should be more of a uniter as opposed to a polarizer. It's in all of our best interest to create a space where people can show up as themselves, get access to skills and learning and job opportunities, and also create a place where people whose values align with what the company's trying to do get attracted to coming there and working there. I see that more of my job is to help articulate that story and then help sort of propagate that story so it actually shows up in the experience that both people in the company have and also the way our clients actually experience the work we do. Okay. And hiring, to your point, is there's a marketing aspect to that, that in some ways is the most important. Like, how do we make people want to come work here? How do we find those people, particularly when there's only a finite group of people who actually have the skills, literally the skills that we need? That group is pretty small and there's not enough people to go around. So we've got to make ourselves as attractive as possible to those people that have them. And then we've also got to build a way to give people skills that they don't have. And then once they're here, we have to sort of deliver the experience that sort of reinforces what we told people when they came here. The biggest challenge that we see companies facing in hiring, and of course, it's just natural that DEI is part of hiring, at least here within Omnicom, is their urgent business needs. And oftentimes what we are finding is we hear a lot of, we need someone who can hit the ground running, which has become the new, not a culture fit in this individual's personal opinion. And so to that end, And to Tony's point, not everyone can meet every single ask going back to the job description. So we need to be really training our hiring managers to upskill talent who perhaps has 70% of what we need. And let's be real, it takes every individual time to learn a client, to learn a business, to learn the fellow employees. And it is a boss's or hiring manager's role to help them fully integrate. In the case of DEI, and should an individual not have all of the skills, to Tony's point, then it is on us to upskill and fill those few gaps because otherwise we will go back to the same talent pool over and over again. And the reality is we've all been there. The ad agency community is fighting for the same talent. We are intentional in wanting to hire a diverse range of talent And the only way to do that is to look beyond only the traditional ways of finding people. But we need our hiring managers and fellow employees to recognize that, again, it goes back to takes a village. It's on their part, too, to bring them on, to upskill them, and then to retain them, as Tony was saying. If we don't innovate in our talent acquisition space, we're never going to be able to properly bring in the diverse range of talent that makes us a better business. Yes. I love that you've mentioned that, Lori. And actually, this kind of sparks another conversation that happened. I think it happened during like the Black Lives Matter protests back in 2020. But I remember a specific certain CEO of a certain company that shall not be named said something like, well, there's just not enough qualified underrepresented talent out there, so we can't find them. (laughs) 
And the thing that really grinds my gears about that is like, like you mentioned, Tony, like they're out there, but people just aren't looking hard enough. So it really is about taking that next step and doing everything that you can to at least bring those people into the fold. And it's not about giving those people like an unfair advantage in any way. You're giving them the opportunity to come into the fold and leveling the playing field for them, essentially. And then they're hired on their own merit. And so I feel like that kind of reminds me of that diversity versus quality kind of thinking, which is absolutely a myth where people, you know, are saying it's oh, so difficult to find and create a diverse talent pool. And it's usually because problems in their hiring process. So, yes, I love that you've both mentioned this. And that's clearly so key in being a great talent maker. Time for a quick break. When we come back, more of my conversation with Tony and Lori. Most companies still have plenty of room to improve when it comes to prioritizing DE&I in their hiring. Good Times 2022 Hiring Insights Report revealed this and so much more based on their survey of 560 HR, talent, and recruiting leaders across the U.S. about the most critical challenges facing the industry today. With just 38% of talent teams reporting that they're planning to prioritize DE&I in the coming months, it's clear that companies aren't seizing the opportunity to fully embrace inclusive hiring practices that put candidates first. After all, companies that cultivate great candidate relationships are also creating vital opportunities to evolve their processes and promote growth and innovation for candidates and employees alike. Good Time Hire helps you place DEI at the forefront of your recruiting. Hire automates interview scheduling tasks, diversifies interviews with intelligent selection of interviewers, builds relationships with candidates, and provides actionable insights so you can continuously improve your hiring process. To get all the insights in Good Times 2022 Hiring Insights Report, visit the link in the show notes. Welcome back, y'all. Let's get into more of my conversation with Tony Hobley and Lori Bring. I want to point out something that you mentioned, Lori. You talked about culture fit. And I know that when we spoke previously, you mentioned something else called culture ad. And a lot of people don't realize that great company culture really does start with inclusion. So what is your take, Lori, on the phrase of like many disruptive tech companies that say that they're looking for people with a culture fit? Or are you more leaning towards that culture ad? Are you an adder or a fitter? I am 100%. And by ad, I want to say us here at RAP, as well as within Omnicom, we are a culture ad company. To be very clear, there is no question. Culture fit, in our opinion, is the same old thing. So you hire people who come from the same colleges or universities. And by the way, we no longer require a college degree, just as a complete aside. We also no longer hire people just because they come from the same town or go to the same clubs. Culture ad is 100% where we always want to be. And in every kickoff call, we remind every single hiring manager before we work on a job, this is our intention. We do not do blacked out resumes. We intentionally want to find diverse talent to add to our culture. Come from a different type of company. Come to us from a different city or state. Bring your own unique experiences. And by the way, then it is on our employees to listen and respect their differing point of views because that is what we are here for. 
We want your different opinion because the reality is people in the universe have different opinions and come from all walks of life. So to that end, we add to our culture and it makes us a stronger organization as a result of that. Having an objective and or a a set of values that can unite the organization and that are clear to people makes it a lot easier to bring a bunch of different voices around because the voices can actually, particularly when you're looking around the table, you can get the value of the perspective focused on a sort of a common outcome. It's very similar at Greenhouse where we ensure that every person who's being interviewed also goes through an aspect of a culture ad interview to ensure that we're always adding to that culture and making it a great place to work. So I love hearing that from both of you. And so a question now for Lori from the recruiter side of things. So obviously we've talked about the power of the recruiter and hiring manager relationship quite a bit. And there's clearly a strong power of like business leaders being involved in hiring too. But on the flip side, Lori, what's your top advice for recruiters who are hoping to become more effective at strategic hiring? I have a lot of advice. But I know you do. <laughs> the, top, the top piece of advice is that we need to be business partners. We need to go to the town halls and listen to our leaders, both on what's happening within the business today and their vision for the future. It gives us such deep insight because, as you said earlier, we are the first point of impact with a potential employee. We are salespeople in the best possible way. We have to love our job. We have to know our company and what makes us separate in the most positive way for every single employee we want to join our family. And yes, we are a family. We spend a lot of time together and we treat each other with respect. We want to find diverse talent, as we've talked about. And so our recruiters, I think the best piece of advice is you are more than just a siloed area within the organization, you are true business partners and you must offer strategic advice. You must think about and listen as we're talking about future planning and the vision. Where do we evolve as the company continues to evolve? That would be my best piece of single advice. Yes, that was awesome. And so on that note too, no matter how companies are looking at things, people know that your most valuable asset is your people. Literally nothing is going to get done without people. So, you know, you want to do the best that you can to grow people. And so knowing this, how do you think, and this could be for either of you, how do you think that hiring managers should approach that upskilling and training new hires that we were discussing earlier? Do you have any advice on that? I wouldn't call it advice. I have some perspective. I'll say two things. And I just heard the stat this morning. 70% of Gen Zers will make a decision to work at a company or not based on alignment of values. So this idea that you go someplace where you think it aligns to who you want to be as a person is absolutely critical. And when it doesn't, there's no hesitation about leaving and going and trying something else. Part one. The other thing is, is, is the biggest reason that people leave a company is their manager. And so it becomes critical for us to train our managers, one, to recognize how are they managing in alignment with our values how are they making them clear and making sure people understand both how those values show up and what we do externally, our products, our services, et cetera, but also in our employee experience and talking to employees on a regular basis and giving them feedback on how are they doing developmentally? Are there things that are creating dissonance for that employee based on what, they, what we said we were going to do versus what they're feeling and experiencing? 
Absolutely, Tony. I would add to those thoughts on recruiting and diverse talent hiring is not just about bringing an employee into a company. It is about retaining that employee. And so here at RAP, we're very focused on always on career coaching, we call it. It's not just about a twice a year performance review. And if hiring managers are dedicated to giving positive and constructive feedback as the, I'll call them issues, are occurring, then it's no surprise for an employee on what is expected for that employee and what they can expect when it's a more formal employee review, because you're also solidifying a hiring manager and employee relationship, which is equally important as the work itself. Because as Tony said, a lot of people will leave if they don't have clear career path expectations and if they don't feel that connection with their hiring manager. And so it behooves all of us to really create always on discussions, real-time feedback, and clear career pathing. I love all of that. And to quote something that Tony has just mentioned, which this is what I mean by Tony just drops gems. You said inclusion should be a uniter rather than a polarizer. And that is absolutely true. And so, Tony, just quick question for you. Knowing all of this, what would you say to certain people who might think that diversity is about meeting a quota? First of all, we have to acknowledge the reality of where we are in the conversation. Because when you don't, the trust comes from the real talk in a constructive way. And there are elements, they're not necessarily true, but they are valid points, that there are people who feel marginalized by some of this conversation and some of the, 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 the effort and the visibility. That's what I mean by we have to do this work, but we need to turn the way that we are doing this work into something that gravitates everybody because it's, as anyone knows who does change management work, there's three groups of people that you typically need to deal with whenever you try to make a big systemic change. You have people who are super gung-ho and like, I'm ready to go. It's about time. Let's hurry up. There are people who are like, hmm, let me wait and see how this is going to go before I sort of raise my hand. And then there are people who are like, nope, we don't need to make this change. This is wrong. And my argument is I only need the first two groups. The third group, I'll show you the door. Yes. Okay? Uh, so no, my point is, is the work that we need to do needs both of those groups. And that particularly that middle group of like, I'm going to wait and see. I need them to come in because we got work to do. Yes, we do. That's amazing. And so I feel like this is a really great place to kind of wrap us up. So very quickly, in 30 seconds or so for each person, if listeners could walk away with only one key piece of advice for DE&I hiring and being a great talent maker, what would you want them to know? So we have heard we can sacrifice quality, you know, to find diverse hiring or diverse talent. I want to be very clear to this audience. Diversity is quality, period. And it may not just be skill-based, but about the potential and the whole individual. And we will all be better once we build teams that are more reflective of the world in which we all live. Yes. That's absolutely beautiful. And I want to get that tattooed somewhere because that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What about you, Tony? Just in 30 seconds, if people could walk away with one key piece of advice, what would you have for them? In order to turn diversity from a vertical 
into a horizontal that sort of crosses a bunch of things that you're doing and actually really gets embedded in all the aspects of what you're doing. Uh, and we're, we're sort of dealing with that. Now, I think is, is again, having the conversation about how does DNI help unite the culture and where does it add the most value in terms of maintaining a sort of an integrity between what you're doing internally and how you're showing up in the world. Because I'm like, we tell a story that is very robust externally and very future forward, and it's amazing. When I look at how our, our internal experience plays out, there's some work to do to align the two. Again, so that the say-do gap is is small and that we're honest about where the gaps are. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Thank you so much to both of you for joining this podcast today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I feel like people are going to have so much to take away from this conversation. Thank you for having us. We're thrilled to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony and Lori, for this inspiring conversation. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen if you like this episode. If you didn't, don't worry about it. Learn about how Greenhouse promotes inclusivity and embraces diverse perspectives in our product, our culture, and our community by visiting us at greenhouse.io slash belonging. Special thanks to our production partner, Wonder Media Network, their producer, Alana Herlins, and production assistants, Sarah Schleed and Lila Watts. And another shout out to our Greenhouse producer, Marnie Williams. Until next time, 